Welcome to Face the Climb podcast with your host, me, Jen Camille. I'm a strength coach for climbers and outdoor athletes and founder and owner of the online training business, Face the Climb. This podcast is an extension of that business, and we dive into topics all about strength training, lifting, the benefits of lifting for your climbing and your outdoor athlete pursuits. But we also dive into why lifting is so beneficial and why you should be adding strength training into your life because it's not just a phase, it is a lifestyle and the benefits go far beyond just improving your performance. If you're looking to find more information, you can check out the blog on facetheclimb.com backslash blog. And you can also give me a follow on Instagram at face the climb. Now let's dive into today's episode. Well, welcome back to face the climb podcast. And I'm super excited because this is the first interview. We have my friend Maddie, who is a mental performance consultant. Nailed it. Nailed it. Yes. Yes. Nailed it. (laughs) Nailed it. She is the founder and head mental performance consultant of Inside Rival. So can you kind of tell us what you do, Maddie? Yeah. So uh, by the way, beautiful on the, on the terminology there. Um, So mental performance consulting, uh, it's within the field of sports psychology. And uh, I've been working with athletes on their mental game since, since 2012. And that's through mental skills training, which is the systematic and strategic implementation and application of psychological skills to enhance athletic performance. Awesome. Yeah. So kind of also me and Maddie had now been friends for <laughs> no, doing don't the do math. It. I want to say don't like do the seven math. years. <laughs> the math just happened. <laughs> oh, it's been that long, but we were peers at grad school at yes. Ithaca in the master's program of exercise uh, in sports science. I was in the ex-phys route. She was in the sports psych track. But there were some classes overlap. I did take some sports psych classes. One of them was a great one. I wrote like a 10-page paper on cheese. Um, my favorite. Truly my favorite. <laughs> we had to do a behavior change to know what it's like, the sports psych behind it, and how hard behavior changes for people and making habits. <laughs> and I chose I need to reduce my intake on cheese. <laughs> And like, for those listening, you need to understand, like most people in this class chose, like for myself, I chose flexibility and committing to yoga more frequently. And other people chose like, you know, running, things like this. And Jen was like, cheese intake. <laughs> Let everyone know it didn't, I didn't change my behavior. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is hard. <laughs> it <But> is yeah. hard. <laughs> that was just, it was so funny. Halfway through the course, Dr. Vaslu like did a class check-in just to see where everyone was at with their behavior change and you didn't even raise your hand you're just like it's hard (laughs) (laughs) so true it's so true though that's just the nature of the beast it is so when I you know I had a episode about habits and everything you know I get it people (laughs) I get it I understand lived experience (laughs) lived experience with trying to reduce my cheese intake but anyways moving forward um, a little more background about you because you do climb, you have clients yes. and, mm-hmm. but a big thing of yours that you love is mountaineering. Yes. Can you kind of go in depth of what mountains and peaks you've summited across the world? Yeah. And I'll, I'll give people a little bit of a background first, uh, just for some perspective. So I'm originally from Ohio, which, you know, it's Midwest, it's super flat. I think the highest peak in Ohio is like 
250 feet, just for reference. Um, <laughs> I know. Whoa, Whoa. Watch out. You might roll down that hill. Um, <laughs> um, but so I, I really, I loved hiking, but I had never climbed before. And, and Jen is actually who got me into climbing and who oh, helps cool. me find my self-confidence and, and my knowledge in that sport. And because of her, I ended up taking a couple more climbing classes and then because of that, you know, they were like, oh, well, since you also like hiking, uh, you might be interested in, in mountaineering that does a little bit of both depending on your peak. And so um, because I wanted to like really learn the skill and not just go on a trip, I ended up going through the International Wilderness Leadership School Isles and found myself in Nepal for a whole season of climbing in the Himalayas. Pretty normal there. Pretty, pretty casual. Normal to show myself in Nepal. <laughs> That's why I tell people first. So listen, I'm from Ohio. So I went from zero to 60, like <laughs> unreasonably fast. Um, <laughs> my my first, uh, you know, quote unquote, real mountains, if you will, were in Nepal. And my first peak was Imjase. It's also known as Island Peak. And that's the training peak for Mount Everest. And that sits at 20,305 feet. Um, And it's a mix. It's mostly a trekking peak. But towards the end there, there is um, technical ice climbing. Which I'm sure we'll go into more when we talk about self-talk. Because (laughs) by the way, this episode, we will be talking about Mm self-talk. Kind of that's the description of the episode. So it will be happening. But yeah, we'll definitely go in more depth of your first time ice climbing. Because that... (laughs) I love it. I love that story. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I did some stuff in Nepal. I did other peaks. I did two of the three passes, which if anyone's ever looked up, you know, the, the trek to Everest base camp, there's three passes. I did two of those. And I also stood at the base of Mount Everest, which was very cool. Um, and then I've done stuff uh, in the Southwest, again, a little bit more trekking peaks um, like Mount Humphreys, but then I did some climbing in Zion as well. And um I guess the last big trip, I was in Africa uh, right before the pandemic in the fall of 2019, and I summited Mount Kilimanjaro, which is at 19,341 feet, I believe. Yeah, that's those are some pretty tall mountains. Yes. And I, know, <laughs> I know you had some plans to do another mountain, but with COVID, what was right. that plan or what mountain would you like to do next? Um, this month, uh, my uh, expedition team, we were supposed to be in Russia climbing its tallest peak, which is um, Mount Elgaris. And then we were going to do a back-to-back trip where we also then flew to Italy and did the Italian side of Mount Blanc. But um, yeah, the pandemic happened and some other stuff has happened too, like <laughs> global warming and Mount Blanc is currently on on death watch as a glacier. So this time away from the sport has also given me time to like reflect on okay, what environments am I okay to climb in? What environments don't need my, you know, personal impact in? Yeah. So that's yes. given me some time to reflect. So I don't know what's next. I'm I'm going to do a little bit more research and be more conscientious of that moving forward, but I'm still interested in mountaineering. It's just immediately I'm, I'm still focused on getting through the pandemic. <laughs> yes. Yes. Completely yeah. understandable. And then with it as well, I know to do some of these trips and everything, you applied for scholarships and grants and mm-hmm. I think people don't realize exactly how much there is out there and so much, companies yeah. wanting to support these expeditions and people traveling. And there are also climbing ones as well, but can you kind of mention the ones that you went through or how people can look and find? Yes. I. Oh my gosh. Yes. It's kind of the only reason why I was able to get into it in the first mm-hmm. place. Um, so like I said, I went through the International Wilderness Leadership School. Sorry. I always pause over that. <laughs> 
It's I a love one. <laughs> it is. Um, and they, they have scholarship. Um, so if you are like, you know, a beginner or have little to no experience and you're, you're interested in going through a school program, definitely look at those programs. They likely have scholarships for their, you know, incoming students. Um, especially like my program was to get your guiding certificate in mountaineering. And a lot of these programs too, like they are looking for women in mountaineering. They are looking for people of color, um, athletes with disabilities. So like there's stuff out there just for us, you guys. So that's kind of like, you know, through, through the schooling level. And then the next level I tell people to look at is national. And I know that can be intimidating. Like the North Face has the Live Your Dream grant. And there's other big companies like that who have scholarship and they do it um, annually like that. Um, And it's a pretty good chunk. And then the last thing is to develop those relationships within your community and look locally. Like I was local to a little outfitter that was in the heart of the national park, the Cuyahoga Valley National Park. And they were just so excited that Mm -hmm. someone from Ohio was going to be in Nepal. So like they gave me $200 and a hat to wear around. And it might not sound like a much, but $200 covered my meals the entire time I was in Nepal. Yeah, no, that goes a long way. Like it It does for sure. So that's kind of like the method I tell people is like, you know, if that applies to you, look through the schools that you're interested in or the programs, whatever that might be. And then look nationally look locally. Yeah, that's awesome. And then especially because I feel like not many people do apply. No. <laughs> that's, so then uh, you, have, you, you have more of a chance, you know, people I think get in their heads and they're like, oh, well, I'm not going to get this. When it's like a lot of other people are thinking that and that actually stops them from applying. So yes. then you apply, you have a very good chance of getting that money. <laughs> that's, that was the bit of advice I got. And it's, it's honestly held true every time is that not a lot of people apply to these things. And they have, you know, X of money. And when they only get so many applicants, they're like, well, we can actually divvy this up so that everyone gets a little bit of something because mm-hmm. not that many people applied. Because like you said, they talked themselves out of it, didn't think they could do it. Just apply. Yeah. Like worst case scenario, you're in the same position. Yeah, just apply. Or just apply. Scenario, you got money to go on the strip now. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> There's, you know, yeah. So I think big lesson overall, apply people. Please apply. Just do it. Just do just it. Just do mm-hmm. it and apply. <laughs> And I'm sure we're going to move into now self-talk and how that relates to climbing. Yes. But I'm sure you'll also talk about your first time ice climbing with self-talk <laughs> <Yes>. as well, <laughs> which is a great story. But yeah, yeah so can you kind of go into um, self-talk? Yeah. So I guess anytime I work with any athlete, this isn't just climbing, but mm-hmm. um, any athlete in any sport, there's kind of two things to keep in mind about self-talk. And the first one, like it's a good rule of thumb, just keep it positive. Mm -hmm. There is some research out there that says, well, hey, negative self-talk does seem to work for some people, but this is only in instances of executing a very specific skill um, because those people internalize their self-talk as either like humorous or um, motivating. Mm -hmm. But the, like the big takeaway is that like, yeah, that might work for some people, But in general, most of us will be negatively affected by negative self-talk. So when you can, keep it positive and keep it towards what you want to do. So we're not saying things to ourselves like, oh, don't panic or like, don't do that. Like your brain's not hearing the don't, it's just hearing the action. So if you're like, don't miss, your brain's going, Roger boss, miss, you know, so so keep it positive, keep it towards what you want to do. And so for you, Jen, I kind of (laughs) drew... 
drawings. We have drawings. I know. I and I know it's silly for a podcast, but I'm a visual learner. So I love it. Oh this helps God. me explain it to you. So do you want to describe kind of the shape? Yeah. Of so right now we are, everyone, we are looking at a triangle. It's called yes. the cognitive, cognitive triangle. Yes. Yeah. And at each corner we have thoughts and mm-hmm. then another corner feelings and another corner behavior. I'll yes. also post this when I post the podcast on Instagram so you can all see it as well because it's a pretty drawing. <laughs> Thank you. Great Whiteboards. artistic work. <laughs> Whiteboards for the win. Um, but yeah, so the cognitive triangle, that's that's what kind of reinforces the idea to keep it positive. And those three things you mentioned, thoughts, feelings, behaviors, they all kind of interact and impact one another. So if we're thinking Mm -hmm. positive thoughts, we're more likely to experience positive feelings. We're more likely to act or behave in a positive manner, right? But then the same is true no matter which side of the triangle you start on. So positive feelings obviously lend to positive thoughts and positive behaviors. And then same thing with the last one is if we're doing what we want to do, well, that's just um, kind of reinforcing the thoughts and self self-belief we have and like then again that impacts feelings so it's they're always at play they're always interacting so that's kind of the first thing keep it positive and that's Mm -hmm. why um the second thing is that self-talk is so variable between person to person so what might work for you might not Mm -hmm. work for someone else and then that kind of breaks down self-talk a little bit further into two categories and that's motivational self-talk and instructional self-talk um Yeah. And uh, motivational self-talk is probably exactly what you think it is. Like the go, 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 float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like all those mantras that like hype you up and Mm -hmm. and get you into that um, motivated state. And then instructional self-talk, well, that's like kind of neither positive or negative. It's neutral because instructional self-talk is is focusing on relevant tasks or relevant cues that help you execute a skill or strategy. So instead of it being like, you know, I got this, it's um, left hand over right, or it's split and turn. Um, you know, it's it's the function of what you're trying to directly accomplish in that moment. I had no clue <laughs> that that had a name. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But I feel like you would be able to speak to this more with your background oh, in strength yeah. and conditioning about cueing and like, yeah, that's important to athletes. Oh my God. Yes. That's like all I do with my, even with <laughs> my, like my climbing athletes, I'm like, just focus on like this technique, this drill, like one yes. move at a time. That's what I do for myself. I had no clue that that was actually like a form of self-talk. self-talk. Yeah. yeah. It's it just is- like. Like, and I, so like I had a program, I created a program, which I'm going to turn into a course for next year, which is super exciting. Sign me up. (laughs) But it's called, I've called it focus in and literally that's all it is. And we are taking a little break from this episode to let you all know if you have been enjoying Face the Climb podcast, if you've been able to take little climbing gems out of these episodes and start implementing into your climbing and see an improvement in your climbing, if you have found that this podcast has helped you look at climbing in a different lens and also go about your climbing differently and just help you understand that yes, what you are going through is 
valid in your climbing, no matter what grade that you are climbing at. And if you've been feeling those things, enjoying this podcast, and are looking for a way to support, you can do so by going down into the show notes and clicking on the buy me a cup of coffee link. That is buymeacoffee.com backslash face the climb. Again, that is buymeacoffee.com backslash face the climb. If you are looking for a way to do a reoccurring support for this podcast, then you can also choose that option by going down into the show notes and choosing the Buzzsprout subscriptions. Uh, Absolutely appreciate your support so much and cannot thank you all enough. Seriously, that is, again, two separate ways that you can support this podcast. The first is by going to buymeacoffee.com backslash face the climb and or doing the Buzzsprout subscriptions. You can find both of those down in the show notes. And again, I cannot thank you all enough for the sport. I absolutely love podcasting. Now we'll get back to the rest of the episode. You're ahead of the game, but that's so important because that gets you to be in the process and not yes, too concerned the about the outcome. Yeah, no. And that's, that's why, because when you're focusing on what you have to do, there's kind of no emotion behind it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's not invoking anything. So, you know, if, if you're ever talking to yourself and you notice like the motivational things, the self affirmation, uh, sorry, the self affirmations, um, yeah, like you're not believing it, like it's just kind of a bad day for you or whatever's going on. Yeah, don't keep trying to force the motivational self-talk switch Mm -hmm. to instructional because it's going to be neutral. It's going to keep your focus where you need to be in that moment so you can get through it successfully. Um, Because like one of the things that play is when you're positively talking to yourself, but you're not meeting yourself where you're realistically at. So you're kind of like thinking, I got this dot, dot, dot. No, I don't. I'm just going to keep saying it. Yeah, that's worse. Um, that's okay. called cognitive dissonance and mm-hmm. it's just way better to switch it to instructional self-talk. So that's why I kind of tell people like, Hey, it's going to vary from person to person. Some people in some sports tend to gravitate towards one more than the other, depending on the sporting demands and then just who you are as an individual. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm mind blown that <laughs> all these years <laughs> there's been, been doing it, Jen. <laughs> that's amazing yeah and like you know you kind of mentioned that it will lean one or more towards the other depending on sport and I definitely see for climbing it leaning way more towards instructional self-talk just because of the demands of the sport you know it's very self it's a self sport you know there is like teams you're on a team and everything with youth and competitive climbing but at the end of the day it's like you're still alone on the wall. Like it's just you, but with it. Yeah. Because there's, I feel like you really just have to focus in when you're climbing and focus in on every movement that you're doing. Absolutely. That's instructional self-talk. And have you ever, uh, experienced flow while you've been on the wall or on the crag? Yes. Okay. So flow for anyone not listening, it's I'm not going to give like the super like scientific term, mm-hmm. for it, but like flow is, and I'm sure a lot of you have experience. It's when you're doing your sport and it feels 
effortless, but you're focused and you have the right intensity, but you're relaxed. That's like the feeling of flow. And with climbing, you have a really unique opportunity to experience it more than if you were playing like ice hockey, right? Mm Because that sport is a little more dynamic. Like there's a lot more things externally happening that would have to constantly change your focus. Whereas if you're, especially if you're indoor climbing and competing in that sense, or just learning, you're way more likely to enter a flow state. And I mean, there's seven different factors that impact whether or not you achieve flow state. But one of them is that present focus and instructional self-talk is a factor of remaining Mm -hmm. in that present state of what am I doing? Okay. Now I'm on to the next thing. And like, whatever those relevant tasks our cues are for you to be so present. No, definitely. And I, and I see like my athletes and then friends and even like, I'll get into the state of when on the wall, it's like, you no longer focus in and you can Mm -hmm. see when people are like, their brains kind of scattered almost like you can see it as they climb. Like there's other things going on in their head Mm -hmm. where maybe it's like the crab's busy or you know, they're nervous about what other people may be thinking about them, oh, which like yep. fucking hate that bullshit. Like need to need to end that for everyone in that mindset. Yeah, you can definitely see when someone's like focused in or instructional self-talk versus when their mind's kind of not there. Yeah. yeah. So to kind of circle back to something you brought up earlier, the first time I ever er- learned ice climbing, yes. they Yes, here it is, everyone. The ice climbing story. <laughs> they dangled me um, off of an 18,000 foot uh, glacier. <laughs> I think that's, uh, that's my favorite part of the story is your first time ice climbing was 18,000 Oh, it was my first up. time in crampons. It was the first time. I mean, it wasn't the first time I had climbed, but it was the first time mm-hmm. I was like in my ice harness and had my ice axe on the side. And so like you're trying to navigate all this bulky, awkward weirdness that you know, it's so different than climbing outside, um, like on traditional rock or climbing in the gym. And I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it, you know, when they have that thing, it's like, it was at this moment that Maddie realized she made a terrible mistake. Like, <laughs> regrets. We have regrets, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was, I mean, I really like to take challenges as opportunities. Cause I'm like, mm-hmm. you know what, this is, this is really unique. Yeah. And when else do I get to experience this? So like, don't get me wrong. There's moments where like, I have to laugh at it myself too, but so they dangled me off the edge and they kind of put you all the way down to like a safety point. And then they're like, all right, climb up to us. And you're like, sweet, this is my instruction. <laughs> and so, but that's part of the, part of the lesson, right? Like it's good to fail because that's how your brain actually learns is mm-hmm. when you make mistakes. Oh, Cause your brain is like, oh, okay. So that didn't work. So autocorrect to like, this is what we're mm-hmm. doing now. So it's good to fail. That's totally fine. But so, you know, the first couple times, like I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm chipping in like kick, kick with my boots. The ice axe goes next. Um, what I struggled with when I first tried was I wasn't really pounding into the full force of my mm-hmm. ice axe. So then when I go to move a foot, all my weight would kind of be balanced on the ice axe and I would fall. <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. So I fell 18,000 feet. No, not the full foot, <laughs> but I fell at that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, I was being delayed from the top, you guys, it was safe. Um, and all the systems were in place, but like, it's still scary. So like all of a sudden just drop out and you're like, nothing's blue. (laughs) Uh, and then like swing right back into the ice. And, you know, at that moment I had a choice of laughing it off. And then I could have just been like, all right, I got this, but that's the thing. I was a beginner. So I didn't know what I got. So that kind of self-talk wasn't going to be really helpful to me. 
So when I fell, of course, I was laughing off and being like, yeah, that's okay. So whatever I needed to recenter myself. So for me, that's resiliency. Um, that's expecting to be challenged and being okay with it. So anytime mm-hmm. I dropped, I'd laugh. That's okay. And then I, you know, kick, kick, punch right back in. Um, so it got to a point where, right. Like I said, the motivational stuff, I got this, but like, I really don't, I don't know what I'm doing. So then it came more into like, okay, well, that's why I'm saying to you right now, kick, kick, punch, because that's what really got me to focus on every time I made contact with the wall to make sure it was strong because Mm -hmm. it wasn't really my, um, like figuring out the root wasn't the challenge for me. I was making smart choices. I just wasn't making them strong enough. So that's how I came up with that kick, kick punch. And that made sure, you know, each time I was saying that I was connecting solidly to the wall and I, that was where I found success. And that is a direct result of my self-talk and being focused in that moment. Before I knew it, I was all sent up at the top. I was like, oh, can you push me off again? Like, <laughs> <laughs> that was really uh, fun. Oh, man. That's when you mentioned it was just kind of like an aha moment. But when you mentioned like the I got this, but really recognizing you're a beginner, you've never done it. So no, you no, I don't. Yeah, I think that's huge. <laughs> Because there's no, because really, like, I'll hear people like, you know, someone's trying something new and like, I'll catch myself doing it, like mm-hmm. and being like, you got this. And it's like, that actually isn't helpful. It's no. new. They don't know what they're doing. They yeah. don't do it. <laughs> like, so of course, that's going to mess with their own like confidence in that moment or, yes. you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And uh, that brings it back to the whole point of like, that's when cognitive dissonance occurs. And when that's mm-hmm. going on in your brain that is so distracting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I think everyone should just start being like when that happens. All right. What's your next move? Yes. Cause what's, I mean, that's yeah. realistically what's going to help you get up the wall. Yeah, no, definitely. Like, all right, where's your foot going to go? Like just those little, like yeah, minor things. Oh my God. And maybe like Thank when you. you're, you're doing like a big move. Um, that requires a lot of power and strength that might mm-hmm. be more appropriate in those times to be like, let's go. Wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. I got this. Yeah. Like, yeah. That makes yeah. sense for those the hype. dino moves. Right. Yes. Yeah. Get the hype, get the psych up. Yeah. Yes. There's like a timer in place for both, but yes. I think that was huge for you to mention like the, I got this when you're a beginner dangling, no, like literally <laughs> dangling in my harness, trying to like <laughs> motivate myself. And like, that's what I mean. It just made me laugh even more. Cause I was like, what? <laughs> like meeting yourself where you're at. And in that moment yes. to meet yourself where you're at is to focus on the moves. Yeah. And now where I'm at with ice climbing, and that's not to say I'm done learning. I'm to me, ice climbing, every time I've gone, it's been unique, but every time I've gone, I've had a little bit more information than last time. Mm-hmm. So yep. yeah, I can look at it and start by saying like, I do got this or like, yeah, this is going to be fun or like, let's go. And then once I'm on the, you know, on the ice, on the glacier, that's when it kicks back into instructional self-talk. Oh, that's huge. Yeah. I think that's going to be huge for everyone listening as well. I don't know if a light bulb's going off in my head, but it's just kind of like, yes, we have words to what's happening. (laughs) (laughs) Well, half of it. Thank you for giving me words. (laughs) No problem. Half of it, like in what I do, a lot of professionals call it like half of the battle is naming the beast. And then the Mm -hmm. other part of the battle is, you know, fighting or overcoming the beast or, you know what I mean? Like actually tackling it. So when you can name something, either like you now have the power or that thing no longer has the power. Yes. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. And also with climbing, I think so psyched that all this time me telling people and athletes to focus in on the process is actually a form of self-talk. 
psyched <laughs> doing it. <laughs> um, it's almost like you're a good coach. What? So weird. <laughs> uh, I just call it focusing in on the process. <laughs> Which <laughs> is what it does. Yeah. It's, it's been the def I've been naming it the definition of the name. Yes. Um, <laughs> but with it, I also see it for climbing a lot more, especially for outside, because there are things outside we can't control. Mm-hmm. So like I mentioned, like busy crags, I've come across bats and cracks. Did you just say <laughs> bats? Yes, bats. <laughs> I've touched a bat in a crack before. Um, oh, no. Wait, did you get you, your rabies shot? And mind you, this was when my friend was about to leave for Colorado. He was like, I want, there's like this like 5'3 sport climb up at Rumney, New Hampshire called Clippity Doodah. And he was like, I want to climb up it and we're just going to like free solo it. So no ropes or anything. It's like five, three. It's like, it's like hiking on rock. Mm -hmm. But of course, as I'm climbing up, I stick my hand in and there's a fucking bat. I thought it was a bug (laughs) until it started coming out at me. It did go back in, thank God. And then it started raining. And like, (laughs) so there's no rope. (laughs) And like, yeah, you bet I focused the fuck in. That's when you're in more of a dynamic environment. So let's say you're out of the gym now and you are like in nature, you and I could probably go back and forth and just list an a godly amount of things that is outside of our control at yes. that point. Oh yes. Oh, um, which is the reality, not just in climbing, but in a lot of different sports, you realize that there's kind of like fewer things you can control. But the good mm-hmm. news about that is that a lot of those things you can control, they're all reliant on you. So at yes. the end of the day, it just comes down to like, do you got you? Do you know what's inside your control in these moments when things are going good, but when things are going bad, like, did you mm-hmm. prepare for the bad? Because sometimes um, I see this a lot in mental performance consulting, you know, athletes want imagery or plans for success. And that's great. And we do those, those have a time and place, but it's also really important to kind of have cope aheads when we know something could go wrong. Because yeah. when something goes wrong and you don't have a plan, then everything is alarming that increases your performance anxiety. So it's, it's, be- mm-hmm. it's almost more productive to plan for the negative. And I think sometimes that makes people uncomfortable because they're like, well, I don't want to think negatively. Right. Like, doesn't that, yeah. but it's like, no, this isn't necessarily negative thinking. This is planning so that you can have the best possible outcomes in every scenario. Yeah. So, yeah. So focusing back inside your controllables, it's kind of good to keep a mental list of like, okay, what's inside my control. So like Jen, what's one thing that's inside your control as a climber? Um, my footwork. Yeah. Your footwork. <laughs> right. So like, you should have said that quicker. <laughs> your effort. No, you're okay. That's the whole point though. Like when yeah. we need to think about it and this is why, because sometimes in the moment you can't think that deeply. Yeah. yeah <laughs> right. Yeah, so yeah. it's good to think ahead of time. So your footwork, so your effort, um, your choices, right? Like your mm-hmm. footwork, your choice and where you're going. And then like the knowledge you prepare for ahead of time. Yes. So like you say footwork and you have like a wealth of knowledge behind that. Yeah. Right. So something else is obviously like your self talk, Mm -hmm. right? That is always inside your control. Like we have a lot of um, thoughts in a day. And every time I look up this number, it like spans from like a couple thousand to like millions. So I'm not really sure how many (laughs) thoughts humans have in a day. And I'm I'm really not sure the scientists know either. Every year it's something different. Um, But we sometimes uh, and unfairly over attend or like focus on the ones that don't always make us feel good. But the thing is like we can acknowledge like, oh, that thought popped into my head. I'm going to start thinking this instead though. Mm -hmm. It's kind of okay. Like thoughts are just going to come and go, right? It's imagine it like a giant train station. Um, 
and like a train pulls in, you might not like it. Well, you don't have to keep feeding it coal to keep on. Like you can wait for the next train or you can call another train in, put coal in that train and keep it, keep it powered, keep it going. Yeah. Yeah, completely. And I like how you mentioned you do have to prepare for things that could go wrong. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think that is especially huge. Like um, I've talked with my athletes before about this is like, kind of putting them in situations because especially with climbing there's I've seen it way too many times where like you go for a send go on a project and one thing goes wrong and it's done they're like Mm -hmm. oh lower me down take like their foot pops or they grab the hold wrong nope that wasn't good lower me down where it's like no like keep going (laughs) keep going like how good are you at recovering like And that needs to be practiced while you're training or even during climbing, like keep going, like go one more move. And that kind of goes with instructional self-talk. It's like something went wrong. One more move. Yes. You know, even if it's just one more move, you start getting in that, like focusing in and that mindset of like, oh, it's okay. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's how you practice resiliency Mm -hmm. um, is like accepting, like, I'm not going to do this perfectly. Right. Yes. Like that needs to be the mindset going into it, or it yeah. could be a mindset, right? There's a couple ways you can think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when that thing comes, it's not like, wow, I'm such a bad climber. Like, oh, I didn't get it. It's like, yeah, I expected this to happen. Mm-hmm. And now I know I'm going to, you know, whatever that coping mechanism might be. It might be like, oh, someone's holding me, right? Blowing me at the bottom. So I yeah. maintain my position and I'm going to take a second to breathe here. Right. Yeah. And then I'm going to come back to the wall and then one more move. Right. Like yeah. I'm going to, the way you develop resiliency is by actually practicing being uncomfortable in that moment and just saying like, yep, this is okay. Yep. Yeah, completely. Completely. Yeah. I think people just, I don't know what it is. It's like this kind of like the recovering and resiliency that it has, everything has to be going right for it to work where it's not the case at all. And like, I will say there are times like there's drills and stuff where it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, quiet feet or like perfect repeats and stuff where the point of that drill is to like climb it the best you can and then analyze afterwards what you could have done better and then try to do that thing for the next one. Like there's drills and times for it, but like when it comes to performance in your time and it's time to perform, it's like continue, recover. Like how quickly can you recover? Yeah. And they, when I say they, I mean like research and science, they've done a lot of like, um, studies on, okay, what athletes tend to be the most successful, what, what teams mm-hmm. tend to find the most success. And it's not the athlete. It's not the team that always does everything perfectly all the time. It's the team that's actually, or the athlete that's better at coming back from a setback or hurling yes. an obstacle. So, and to me, I always thought that was really empowering. It's like, wow. So I don't have to do this right. And I get in some sports that might be a little unrealistic, like, you know, gymnastics, like not doing yeah. something right could be an injury. Yeah. So there's a degree of variation to this statement, but the whole idea is, um, you, the people who find success are the people who persist longer, not necessarily the person who has, you know, the natural talent or, mm-hmm. or is the stronger person. It's the person who's willing to be out there for longer and keep trying. Yeah. 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 No, I love that. I love that so much. And I think we're running out of time. So (laughs) Zoom, by the way, this is recorded on Zoom, everyone. And I have the free version because that is my life. (laughs) Full free. So we only get a limited amount of time here. But I think we really hit good topics. And Mm -hmm. I loved how you went into self-talk. I'm mind blown that 
all this time I've been doing instructional self-talk and had no clue. I now have a name for it. Thank well, you. It cracks me up too. Cause when you first got me into climbing, that's how you would talk to me. So like, <laughs> you've been doing it. <laughs> like, I am mind blown that this has had a name. I love it. And then I also, I think it's huge beyond that. My biggest takeaway from this was also the meeting yourself where you're at. So that motivational of like beginner trying something new and saying, I got this isn't really the best way. I mean, obviously it varies from person to person, like you mentioned, but generally speaking, not going to be the most helpful. Might not be helpful. That is huge. So, and I hope that people listening to this also understand that. Because I think that's yeah. the, the default, the resort that people go to when really it should be like, you're not really there yet. You don't got this. Focus on that next move or focus on what's in front of you. Yes. Um, yeah. So really love that. And I love the just kind of wrapping it up with recover. Doesn't have to be perfect. <laughs> no, it doesn't have to be pretty. doesn't have to be perfect. Just keep doing you because that's what's going to make you successful. Yeah. And then before we end though, you kind of talked to me before this and mentioned something about uh, the Canadian climber starting working with yes, oh, mental performance coach, if you so, want to mention that. So people kind of have an idea of maybe like to go watch this video you mentioned about. Yes. And I will send this to you so you can repost it and everything. Perfect, perfect. Um, but she's the number one Canadian climber. Um, and I'm like fairly certain she is competing currently in the Olympics when all those trials start, Mm -hmm. which I think is the fourth. Um, But she started working with uh, George Mumford, who I have so much respect for this man. He is a giant in the field of sports psychology, and he really specializes in mindfulness. And then therefore he also specializes in flow because remember how I said, there's like about seven different things that kind of go into producing flow. Well, he's kind of like the flow expert. Um, And so she gosh, it's such a good video. I'm excited for you to watch it. She talks about where her focus is at. And she talks about how like having a flow state is what gave her one of her best performances. I'm pretty sure that was qualifiers. Okay. Um, and she, and she breaks it down as like, well, I mean, I couldn't be focusing on anything else because I was just so present and I was just literally focusing on where my hand was at and then what the next move was. And that's all I was thinking about the entire time I was on that wall. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. Please send me that link and yes. everyone should try and search it as well. If you're listening, you said George Manier. <laughs> Mumford. Mumford. George Mumford. <laughs> Apologies, George. Almost. Apologies, Apologies to George. Apologies, George. <laughs> and also I will leave in the show notes how you can get in touch with Maddie and kind of see her stuff. And I think that she also does have a freebie self-talk downloadable PDF. I just, I think that's what they're called. I always screw up like the freebies, you know, <laughs> to check it out, kind of have a resource. So yes. I will put those all in the show notes and thank you so much, Maddie. It's been great. And I can't wait to get you back on the podcast for another thing. Maybe yeah. we'll ask the audience next time what they want to learn about. For yeah. Climbers. Mental- yeah. When you think of your mental game, what is it that you want to know more about? Perfect. Yes. I will ask them, ask the audience and we'll get another topic going. So thank you so much, Maddie. Thanks, Jen. So sadly, I forgot to ask Maddie during the interview what her favorite crag snack was. And I also asked later on what her favorite coffee was. So I'm just going to share it all with you. And her favorite 
Well, she doesn't have a favorite crag snack, but she is a mountaineer, so her favorite mountaineering snack is Snickers. Um, and she mentioned that she actually can no longer look at Snickers because she ate so many Snickers. I believe it was on her mountaineering trek when she was in Nepal. All they did was eat Snickers, but I mean, Snickers sound pretty fucking good for the crag. That's all I gotta say. A nice little chocolatey snack to get you before you're climbing. And then her favorite type of coffee is black. Just a good old black cup of coffee. You know, you can't go wrong with that. I appreciate that so much, Maddie. And I really wish that I asked that in the interview, but uh, I'll remember next time for the interview. Favorite crack snack. I'm going to write a note, a sticky note for myself right now. But for reals now, it's the end of the podcast. I think we said that like 10 times. I'm so sorry, everyone. I'll figure this out. Hopefully you all go out and buy a Snickers and drink a black coffee before your next climbing session. Thanks for listening to another Face the Climb podcast episode. It has been a pleasure having you here. And if you're looking for more ways to dive into lifting and strength training, definitely go check out the free lifting guide, which you can find down in the show notes and or on my website, www.facetheclimb.com. This is the guide to set yourself up for success in the weight room and doing it with confidence. We dive into how to build up strength. We dive into auto-regulation, sets and reps, progressive overload to help you build that strength through educational videos. But then we also dive into how a bunch of how to do exercise videos like deadlifts, rows, bench press for barbells and dumbbells. This is guide is jam packed with information and an amazing resource if you're looking to get into lifting. And of course, make sure you go and follow me on Instagram at face the climb. I would love to see you there and have conversations. All right. Have a good rest of your day, y'all.